Life experienced will begin right after this. Picture this. You're signing up for a new online service, and after providing your name and email address, you see a small checkbox beside the phrase, I agree to the terms of service. If you're like me, you probably don't stop to give the terms a second thought, but what if you did read them? What are you actually agreeing to, and how does it affect your life? In my new show, Terms and Conditions Apply, I dive into the nuances of these agreements, answering questions like, how does online advertising affect privacy policies? How are terms of service viewed under the law? And what online habits need to change in order to respond to these extremely long and cumbersome agreements? I'm Ethan Smith, and I hope you'll join me as I navigate the complicated landscape of online privacy and data collection, where you'll hear from computer programmers, law professors, an advertising executive, and more. You can listen to all five episodes of Terms and Conditions Apply today. Available now wherever you download podcasts or by visiting termsconditionsapply.com. Life is made up of experiences. Experiences shape our perspectives and allow us to pass along knowledge. In this podcast, I sit down with listeners like you and find out that no matter who you are, everyone has a story to tell. I'm Ethan Smith, and this is Life Experienced. I think I would be shocked if I was younger knowing I'd be a preacher. Our guest today is Jeff Noble. Jeff is currently the pastor of North Star Church in Blacksburg, Virginia, but his life has had a few very interesting stops along the way. When I sat down to talk with Jeff, he traced some of his most interesting experiences all the way back to middle school. Um, when I was um, middle school, back then it was called junior high, and um, I thought I was going to be a doctor. And some of that was because I had severe uh, sinus infections growing up. And I would have to go to the doctor, oh, probably twice a month. His name was Dr. Milner. Um, he was an ENT, and I just got kind of inspired by him, uh, just the way he connected with me. And so I kept thinking I wanted to be an ENT when I grew up. I wanted to help people. And so went on through uh, high school thinking that, you know, everybody around me thought I would do pre-med. Of course, went to college. First year of college, did pre-med. And that changed everything. <laughs> So I uh, changed uh, my major to communications after my freshman year. Okay, so clearly that's a, a pretty big turnaround. What made you decide on to land in communications? Um, well, at the time, um, doing the pre-med thing obviously meant I was in a lot of science classes and was having to do labs, and the labs were taking up all of my afternoons. Went to college at a small college in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, uh, lake DeGray, which is Arkansas's largest man-made lake, was about 15, 20 minutes from there. I couldn't stand the thought of being cooped up in labs in the afternoon when all of my buddies were out there on the lake. And so part of that was uh, a little bit uh, myopic, but um, I've always loved to write, love creative things, and my college had an incredible journalism department. So I changed my major to communications, but at Washtenaw Baptist University, it really did have a lot to do with writing and design and things. So I got super involved with the yearbook and the newspaper and publications, writing, and just fell in love with it. Just really, really enjoyed doing that. So I, that's what I 
did for the rest of my time there at the, at the college. With his newfound affinity for writing and graphic design and the rise of desktop computing in the late 1980s, Jeff and one of his friends decided to venture out and start a business from their college dorm room. Uh, well, my junior year, um, we were doing this, and my best friend, uh, his name is Mitch Bettis, and he and I were super involved with your book, and we had this what-if moment. And we had this idea of what if we started a company? And so we decided, uh, let's do this company and let's, let's take desktop publishing, which is what they call graphic design at the time. Let's take a run at it. So we drew up a business plan, started working late in our dorms. Um, we would use the local educational co-op and work on their PCs. And that's when I fell in love with Max because Max ran circles around PCs. This was about 1988. Um, we drew up a business plan, went to a local bank, asked them if we could borrow twenty thousand uh, dollars, and foolishly they thought it was a great business plan. And uh, so what we did was we bought a couple of Mac Pluses, we bought a laser printer. Mitch insisted that we needed plenty of storage, and so we bought two external hard drives. And I thought he was just—I thought he was being frivolous. We bought two external hard drives; they were twenty megabytes apiece. They looked like pizza boxes, and uh, we bought a scanner and all kinds of stuff, and then we just started doing desktop publishing or graphic design and ended up landing some car dealerships, some restaurants, some other local businesses and things like that. And before we knew it, we'd been featured in Adweek Magazine and so on and so forth. So uh, I, I ran that company with Mitch for three years, my junior year in college, my senior year, then we both stayed in Arkadelphia for another year running that business. Uh, so it was just an incredible, incredible experience. Well, I guess that this is at a time when everything graphically was done. I guess someone had to draw it on paper. So, Pretty much, you know, yeah. When Max came around, that kind of changed the... It changed everything. And we even would have to contract artists. And so, of course, we go to the, the colleges. There's two colleges in the town. We talked to our buddies some friends, we'd get them to draw stuff, we'd scan it in. And it was that that time where it was the ability to transform something from paper into digital was was a new dimension. And it was just opening things up. So we just really got we were very blessed and fortunate to hit the graphic design world at a time where things were just exploding. It was during this stage in his life that Jeff would discover his passion for ministry work. I asked him how his career as a pastor took shape during his college years. Yeah, so you said you worked on this for three years, and then earlier you mentioned that now you're a preacher or pastor, so yeah. somewhere in there something something had to happen, something changed, so... What, what happened after those three years? Well, it's funny because uh, it, was, it was more concurrent than it was after. Uh, so while I was in college, I uh, got super involved in a local church. Um, and my junior year, same time I was doing the ad agency with Mitch, we called it Advantage Advertising. I was also, I'd worked as summer youth ministers in different churches. When I came back to college uh, my junior year, I started working in a local church as their youth minister. And uh, I, looking back on it, I have no idea where I found time because we were staying up till two, three o'clock in the morning doing design. I was working in the local church and 
loving every minute of life, just really enjoying things. And so uh, all the way through my senior year and even after that, I was still serving in churches. And um, it was the winter after I graduated from college. And I started wrestling with this unsettledness in my heart. Like I felt like I was supposed to be doing something else, but it wasn't because I was dissatisfied. I mean, we're having a blast. And so I began to talk to people, talk to my pastor and talk to some other people. And they began processing with me. You seem to really have a gift and seem to enjoy working in the church. What, what might that look like for you? And through prayer and through Bible study and just through counsel of others, it just really began to dawn on me that I felt like God was calling me to serve Him by serving the church. And once I came to that conviction, I began to say, what, what, what does that mean practically? And so uh, that was when I began processing seminary and realizing I really needed to go get trained because even though I'd been to a, a Baptist college, I didn't have a Bible degree or anything like that. Um, and so my paradigm at the time was, well, I'm going to go to seminary. And so in the fall of 1991, uh, I moved to Fort Worth, Texas and uh, started seminary and went four years uh, there in seminary. So. so you started, this is really interesting, you started in science classes, moved to more communications, and now you're in seminary. So was there any kind of adjustment you had to make going between the different areas of study? Because I can imagine that going to seminary, which involves you know studying things like Greek and Hebrew, right, is right. much different than Botany going to a and lab biology class and or, chemistry. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, you know, well, there, there was a lot of writing involved at seminary, so that was a good transition from the communications undergrad degree. Um, I've always been a good student. Um, and so it wasn't an issue for me as far as academics and things like that. And um, in seminary, I got involved with, again, got involved serving in a local church and sort of served as a youth minister and then served uh, in a church in the Dallas area as Ministry of Young Adults and Singles for three years. And so I actually was commuting back and forth to seminary. And um, I think I expected seminary to be the same type of experience as college because I had a blast in college. Seminary was so dry academically. Um, the community there, because I was driving back and forth, I didn't have a lot of community. Um, and so really I invested in the local church in the Dallas area and didn't invest in a lot of relationships at the actual seminary. I was basically just there for classes, just there to kind of learn, punch my ticket, get my degree so that I could continue on with what I felt was a call to serve in the local church. 30 years later, graphic design is more prevalent than ever, especially in churches where audio-visual presentations are now staples of every service. This has, of course, presented Jeff with many unique opportunities to express his love for graphic design. So I guess we'll fast forward a little bit to the present, and now you are here in Blacksburg, Virginia, the pastor of North Star Church. And so given the history, have you found that your experience in the graphics design back then helps you at all now or has helped you over the years that you've been doing ministry work? It, it is a, it's a love. I still love doing graphic design. Uh, it's one of those things that on days, frustrating days in ministry and in church life, it's one of those things that I take comfort in knowing I could always do graphic design again. 
Uh, I like web design. I like I like just creating. I love it. Um, and so, yeah, I've had my hands, probably some people would say too much, in some of the graphics of the church. Uh, I enjoy it. Um, um, I love making, I love creating something that will catch someone's eye and provoke interest. Um, when I was, before we came to Blacksburg, actually, I helped start a church. And because I did that from without a supporting church, I started another graphic design company. And I ran it for six years before we moved here. And so I've always just simply found that graphic design has been a good support, a good fallback, a good help uh, to furthering ministry and relationships. You know, one thing that doing graphic design, having a business like that allowed me to do was I built relationships with business people and people in the community, which also helped when they learned I was a pastor as well. Um, and so here I probably don't get to do as much that, as I've done in the past, but um, it, I think it keeps me fresh. Uh, it keeps my, my routine from sermon preparation and counsels, counseling and meetings and so on and so forth. It's, it's almost like a refuge sometimes, uh, maybe creative therapy. Jeff's job as a pastor keeps him busy throughout the week, not just on Sundays. I asked him to describe a typical week in his life. Since, you know, most people think of, when they think of a pastor, they think of someone who gets up on Sunday and preaches a sermon, but then they kind of don't know what goes on the rest of the week. So in a typical week, what does, what does your schedule look like? What kinds of things are you involved in? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it really does vary from week to week. A lot of it depends on how many emails I get or how many phone calls I get. Uh, so there's the, there's, <clears throat> there's the great need to meet and respond to people who want FaceTime or want counseling or just sometimes just want to get to know me. Uh, and then there's the, sometimes people have questions, whether it's spiritual, theological, or just almost like life coaching, um, uh, premarital counseling, um, so on and so forth. And so there's, there's those individual meetings that take place and they can fill your schedule real quickly. I'm real fortunate to have a great, great staff that I can delegate a lot of those meetings to. Uh, Then there's leadership meetings, uh, usually two or three of those a week, uh, ranging from 6 a.m. meetings to 6 p.m. meetings. And so it's not uncommon for me to be out uh, three nights a week, easy. Um, Then there's, like if our college ministry does something, typically I want to stop by. And so it's kind of places that I don't have to show up for, but it encourages people when they see me show up just for a few moments. And so whether it's our graduate and professionals ministry or our Grand Connect ministry or whatever it is, it's, I, I need to make appearances sometimes at some of those ministry events, just build relationships. And then Carol and I lead a small group in our home for college students. Um, and then there's the, the office component of like emails galore, uh, just I feel like you can lose yourself trying to respond to people on email. Um, and there's planning and there's um, calendaring and uh, the the website needs updating. Uh, just the list goes on and on and on and on. I guess we're fortunate that you found time to come sit down for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow manage that. So... 
I, I suppose there's another conception out there that sometimes that, that pastors are these kind of put up on a pedestal, set aside people that never like to have any fun. But I would challenge that notion because you've not only been known to challenge people in your small group to ping pong matches or really, really get involved with Apple products being their like utmost yeah, proponent. Absolutely. Also, absolutely. you know, you've, you're, you've, been a patron of movie pass so you yeah. go to the movies but you've also been known to show up at kids camp wearing a shirt that has hot dogs on it while riding a moped so a scooter a scooter, a, a scooter. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean i guess i guess those are aspects of your life that that are that seem really really great to me so what what's your inspiration for things like that um Just, i think joy i, I think uh, one of the things i love about Serving God is like in scriptures, it says, it talks about what Jesus did for us. And it talks about how Jesus went to the cross and, the, and scripture teaches that he went to the cross so that we might find forgiveness for our sins. But in Hebrews, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. And the first time I noticed that scripture, it just stunned me that it meant, it means that God is a joyful God. That God is not an ogre, that he's not mean-spirited, that he's a God of love. And so uh, maybe it gave me an excuse to have fun and to laugh at myself and to laugh at life. But yeah, I, I play video games at night. I love to read. I love coffee. I love fantasy football. Um, I love being with people, so on and so forth. And I'm, I can be silly um, pretty easily, pretty frequently. But I, I think it's important that if you don't, if you don't enjoy your relationship with God and with people, there's probably an issue in your heart. Um, some people endure relationships. And I think when Jesus said the first and the greatest commandment is to love God, and the second commandment is to love people, um, you know, if, if you can't do those two things and you can't have those two dimensions of relationships, it, it probably means there's a heart issue. Jeff's collection of life experiences has allowed him to share thoughts and advice with many people over the years. As a final question, I asked him what advice he would give to young people based on his experiences in college and young adulthood. I think we'll go with, with one more thing. So we, we talked about, and a lot of the focus of this has been that you have one idea about what you want to do. You get to college, you change your mind, and then at the same time, something else enters the picture. So I feel like that that can be the case for a lot of people, of young people entering college with something in mind and then perhaps having another inclination. So what advice would you give to those people? I would probably encourage people to enjoy every day. Uh, I think if you live with such a tunnel vision, thinking you're going to, you're definitely going to wind up at point B from the point A that you're currently at. Uh, you just don't know what curveballs life will throw you. And you may actually miss some pretty wonderful opportunities along the way, whether it's for relationships or even for career diversions. Uh, you really don't know yourself as well as you think you know yourself. And so it's really important just to keep learning and keep enjoying. And if you find your heart or your interests or your passions being inflamed by an opportunity that you might not have ever dreamed of before, experiment and, and try graphic design, try writing, try uh, accounting, try 
try whatever uh, and don't get so bound up in what you think you're going to do and be uh, that you're not willing to allow some self-transformation to take place along the way. As many of the previous guests on this podcast have mentioned, enjoying experiences along the way is important to everyone's lives. From pre-med to graphic design to pastor, Jeff's life is a great reminder of what life can be like if you are open to opportunities. I hope you'll take Jeff's advice and reach out to someone you haven't talked to in a while or venture out and try something new. You never know what life has in store for you. Life Experienced is hosted and produced by Ethan D. Smith and is primarily distributed via D-Sound, a decentralized audio sharing platform built on the Steam blockchain. For more information, visit dsound.audio. The music in this podcast is composed by Lee Rosevere and used under Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. For more information, visit freemusicarchive.org. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you like the podcast, be sure to share it with others. If you have an interesting experience that you want to share, please let me know by tweeting at Ethan D. Smith or visiting ethandsmith.com. And for those of you still listening, I think you'll enjoy what Jeff had to say about one of the more humorous aspects of being a pastor. So every week, most weeks, on Sundays, you stand in front of anywhere from three to 500 people and give a sermon. And so I can imagine that standing up in front of that many people on such a regular basis, you've seen quite a bit of things. So can you think of anything fun or strange? What would you say is the most exciting or interesting thing that you've observed or encountered in your time as a pastor? Well, I don't think this will surprise anybody, (laughs) but I see people sleeping occasionally. And uh, I'm just enough of a ham uh, to love noticing people sleeping. And then if I see it, (laughs) either clapping my hands really loud (laughs) to make a point. And it is so difficult for me not to start chuckling when I see them startle in their seats and know that I've woken them up and in my head thinking, yep, I gotcha. I gotcha. So that's, that happens uh, on occasion. Um, And then just the reality sometimes of when you're up there on stage, you can see everything going on. And so you notice distractions, um, you know, the occasional cell phone going off and how embarrassed they are. Uh, and they make eye contact with me and will mouth, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, then, you know, sometimes the room is uncomfortably cold. I feel it. Uh, but having to sit there and endure it, I just see everyone squirming. And I feel sorry for them because I'm seeing 40 people out there miserable. Um, so it's, it's just an interesting thing. It's almost like watching TV sometimes, <laughs> you know, uh, and it's, it's like an out of body experience. Cause you know, you, you're, you're speaking and you're presenting something deeply spiritual and at the same time, people are just people and silly things happen. Uh, and so you got to keep focused and try not to ham it up or screw it up.